I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. It was a weekend and it's the holidays. I'm going to be off next week. I'm getting lit, okay? And I go in and everybody's outside and I don't see him. For a second, I'm like, okay, whatever you were sucking in, you can just let go now really quickly. And suddenly he walks out of the bar, opens the door and it's like in slow motion. And I was like, you know what? Let me just grab a a glass of whiskey because we need to relax our nerves right now. From the Boston Globe and PRX, this is Love Letters. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Even as an advice columnist and host of this show, I myself learn a lot of lessons from the people who share their stories. I'm in a constant state of admiration for people who are brave with love, for those who not only see potential for a new beginning, but actually jump in, trusting themselves, fully living the experience. Today's guest is one of those people. She's the kind of person who radiates confidence, even when she admits that new beginnings can be scary. She's experienced many of them over the past year. I'll let her explain. Hi, my name is Paola Byron, and I'm a journalist. And I like to sing in my shower sometimes and think I'm Beyonce Jr. I'm actually 25. I'm a wiser than I look. And I live in Miami, Florida. Paola's family comes from Cuba. She grew up with her sister, brother, and mother in Hialeah, just northwest of Miami. Hialeah is, is, is the, the second closest thing you can get to Cuba. It's a lot of coffee in the mornings and a lot of loud music and the Sunday cleaning. It's a very strong Hispanic culture here in Hialeah. I really loved gr- being able to have that opportunity to have grown up in the, in the city, like from, you know, from birth up until, what, like a year ago? For most of Paola's life, her primary partner has been her mother. They've been a team, both emotionally and financially, a unit. My mom, she she had a hard time economically trying to, to support three children on her own. Migrating to a new country at 30, it was definitely a struggle for her. I think my siblings and I have a strong admiration for my mom, for her strength, for her warrior-like personality. We moved a lot. Just in Hialeah, we moved at least, like, I would say, no joke, like 18 times. We lived in one-room apartments with five in it. We lived in a motel for a while. We lived in, in other people's homes. My mom's car at one point was the bus that she drove. She was a bus driver, so she was employed by a bus company. And at some point, the um, her employer offered the bus 
so that she could be able to move around. We would do like, you know, groceries in the school bus. And, you know, I would wait. I remember waking up, you know, at four in the morning, being a kid and being able to, I mean, seeing it as a four-year-old, you see it as like, oh my God, I get to go to like SeaWorld and go to these field trips with these kids. I've heard a lot of stories in my family and, and, and stories that she'd tell me over the weekend with a good margarita on her side and, you know, kind of just recounting her, her life experiences and wisdom. Paola's romantic life begins the moment when she's officially celebrating becoming a woman. Then my 15s came around and I said, okay, I'm going to lose weight because I have to wear this quinceañera dress, right? Like being in a Latina family, you have to have this big party. I met this guy who was actually part of the court that danced in my 15s. And so we got together. We lasted about two years. Two days before Valentine's Day, he breaks up with me. Paola shakes it off. She's busy in high school, art classes, dance classes. She does pageants. And then, her senior year, she begins a relationship with a guy at her school. This feels like a real new beginning. This guy, he really did love me. Like, he loved me for who I was, and he would do anything for me. It was definitely like high school sweetheart love. Two years into this very nice relationship, Paola does an internship in Washington, D.C., and graduates college early. She's only 20 at this point, but she's starting to feel older than her age. Her father had died when she was 19. And at that point, everything changed. Losing my dad made me grow up so fast, you know, and it made me just mature in a way that I didn't think that I needed to mature. She's already learning how to take care of herself, how to build her career, how to care for her family. But her boyfriend is in a different place. I get my first job at a big, you know, broadcasting network. And he's still in college, you know, and he's still figuring out what he's going to do with his career. So already our relationship was kind of departing a little bit towards the halfway. But I was still loyal to him. At this new broadcast job, Paula works weird hours and on the weekends. On one of her shifts she notices this guy. He was working in the studio and I was sitting most of the time in my desk. Since there's really nobody in the weekend and it's freezing, you kind of walk around. According to him, I don't really remember this, right? But according to him, I was the one that approached him. And I was the one who said, why so serious? Like, why you look so formal? And all I do remember from that time is we would talk nonstop. Deep conversations about our heritage, about our family, about him migrating from Cuba to here. And, and, you know, these conversations you really wouldn't have with someone you just met. I would be by my desk and he would pass by and we would show me some music. I would show him some music. It was just like an instant chemistry. Were you like, oh no, I have a boyfriend, what am I doing? Oh yeah, definitely. He's 10 years older than me, so definitely for me it was kind of like, okay, this is new, I don't even know how this is gonna go, you know, I was still 20, I still hadn't even turned 21, you know, I was just kind of like, you know, it was scary. Why am I even thinking about even liking this guy if I'm, if I'm with someone, you know, so I did 
feel a sense of guilt. Internally, I knew, I was like, if we opened up this relationship, it could lead to something more serious. So I knew that for some reason. I was just kind of like, okay, let me, we need to cut this off now. We can't be friends anymore. I cut the cords, like, immediately. This is after, like, five or six months of talking, though. All of a sudden, she's like, wait, I have a boyfriend. And what did he say? I think he was a little bit shocked. I mean... I mean, imagine I'm kind of going along with with this rodeo, you know, and I'm 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 having where I'm okay with building this friendship and this relationship, and then I don't know where I'm just kind of like, you know what? Like I I just remembered I had a boyfriend, and we need to cut this off. Had you never mentioned the boyfriend? I did. I think I mentioned it towards the end, though. Like when I was like, it took you cutting six, it off. Like six months in, you're like, oh right. Like I think I just kind of was like this isn't going to turn into anything serious. And then when I started seeing his affection growing for me and me kind of having that connection as well, I was kind of like, oh, okay, like, I think I need to, like, mention that I do have a serious relationship. But Paola and her work crush, they still have to work together. I always caught him glancing at me or looking at me from afar or, like, I'm supposedly acting like I'm not paying attention. I would catch myself like looking for him or, you know, he wears a cap all the time. So I would be like, oh, there he is with a cap. And it's like, oh, my God, you need to get over this. One reason it's hard to focus on her actual relationship is that her boyfriend seems years behind her. Just out of school, he's trying to find his path. She's already living like a grown up. I feel like his mom more than his partner what you describe of his experience of in those like college post-college years it's like pretty average and like you are the exception to the rule to me that you were so on it and like ambitious and knew what you wanted and internship and like you were like really assertive about your life at that age I'd like to thank my mom for that I think my mom seeing that she had struggled so much in her life that she really made sure that I didn't like that I knew what I needed to do to move forward and say, okay, like you need to do this because you need to be able to support yourself and you need to be able to support your family afterwards. Four years in, she and her boyfriend finally hit a wall. Oh yeah, it was New Year's Eve. Jeez. Yeah. I definitely have a good reason for this. Okay, please, because holidays are not nice. No, I know. It was my mom's birthday and my mom's birthday is on the 29th. And I had invited him, obviously, to come over. It was like a little, very small, intimate family thing. And he was kind of like, oh, you know, I'm tired. He was really, really like, I guess, in a, in a place where he was like highly depressive. And I was kind of like, it's my mom's birthday. Like, if it was your mom's birthday or your, your dad's birthday, I'd be there. So he shows up super late. I'm already furious because imagine, like, the whole party has already gone by and you show up later. And he doesn't even show up with flowers. He doesn't show up with a bottle of wine, whatever it was. But he didn't show up with anything. Mind you, I don't like watching football. And I remember that, you know, my brother was watching the football game and I sat with him to watch the football game. I was just mm. like, I'm not, I don't want to speak to you right now. That's like the ultimate fuck you. Like, I'd rather watch football. Most than... definitely. Like, I definitely, I definitely want to watch sports right now rather than see your face and have you in my presence. Like, I just was over it. The breakup shouldn't have been a surprise. 
Paola's mother had already warned her. This guy wasn't the one. My mom always told me, he's not your forever. Like, you know, it's a saying in Spanish, no son hueso viejo. Like, you guys aren't going to grow old together, you know? So you're not old bones, right? You're not old bones. It was hard breaking his heart, yeah. you know? And it was definitely hard for me to say it's over when I knew that this man, like, he, he did love me for who I was and he really did care for me, you know? For Paola, this marks another new beginning. Single life. She starts going out in Miami. She dresses up, wears makeup, explores her femininity and all of what that means. She's 22. I mean, she's still prematurely adult Paola, but she's allowing herself to have a little fun. I'm a dancer, so I really just enjoyed sweating and coming home soaking wet <laughs> from <laughs> drenched in sweat and dragging my feet across the floor to get to my car or my Uber and finally get home at four in the morning or three in the morning and then go to sleep and wake up the next day like nothing happened. I wasn't really looking for a relationship at that point. I was looking for friends, you know, like friends to hang out with or like go on dates and like maybe get spoiled and and stuff my face on free dates. And that was it. It's during this more carefree time that she reaches back out to the man from work she'd been avoiding for the past two years. One random day in the office, she sends him a text. Something like, I like your glasses. But really, she's telling him something else. We'll be right back. We're back. So Paola, newly single, starts flirting again with her old work crush. I saw him at work and he was wearing like these funky glasses. I think I texted like cool glasses or like nice glass. No, nice glasses. I was like, nice glasses. I don't know what he was thinking on his end, but I'm sure he was kind of like, oh my God, it's been like an infinity since we last spoke. But he texted back. He was like, thank you. And, and again, we were texting. We are texting every single day or every single hour of the day. I think he figured that, you know, if I hadn't texted him for that long, that, you know, I obviously ended the, the relationship. We were texting for like two weeks and and then I, I get access to his Instagram account. There's one thing being a woman, right? 20 something years old, who's a millennial, who's very active on social media, that has these great skills and monitoring someone's profile. It's another level when you're a journalist too. I went through the whole profile. At some point, obviously I saw that he was with someone and and I was like, oh, why didn't you just tell me you were with someone? I would have totally understood. And he was just kind of like, oh, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna last for long. And I was just like, yeah, but you didn't tell me. Which is kind of hypocritical on my end because I didn't do that the first time around. I give you a pass and let me tell you, I don't give you a full pass, but I give you a mild pass. Here's here's my justification because- Girl power here. Right. Well, also like you were 20 at that point and sort of figuring out some stuff. And at this point he's 32 and not telling you, oh yeah, there's a lady in that Instagram photo. I was like, no, 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 I'm not that kind of girl. That I don't like to be sloppy seconds, and I don't really like to just get into this hot mess. 
he always told me like, you know, he always felt some way about me that was very strong and he never understood what it was and how it, he felt that way. And so I understand that if, you know, even though he was in a relationship, it was a stronger connection what me and him had, even if nothing really ever happened. For a second time, a potential beginning becomes an ending. Paola cuts him off again. They stop talking again. A full year goes by. In that time, Paola dates someone else. Life moves forward. Now it's the holidays of 2019. Paola, who's 24 by this point, has had this emotional moment at work where someone who behaved inappropriately with her has apologized. And she's forgiven him. And it feels meaningful. She starts thinking about forgiveness across the board. She thinks, maybe I should forgive that guy at work for not telling me about his girlfriend. It's like, if I can forgive someone who's a stranger to me, why can I forgive this guy who can just be a really good friend of mine? And I'm just kind of eliminating that option completely. You know, even just, even if it's just a friendship. Oh, and by the way, Paula knows that he's single again. I came up to him and I was like, hey, super casual, like, like not phased, like you can't tell, I'm nervous, nothing. Hey, um, there's this party that the uh, newscast is having, the crew, if you want to come, you can come. It's at this place at 8 p.m. And if you want to invite anybody else, you can. And he just kind of looked at me like, we haven't spoken in like 37 years and what are you doing talking to me again? You were both single and I feel like one or both of you was constantly lying about your relationship status or lie yeah. of omission to the other. <laughs> so like this was the first genuine, okay, we're both like not being kind of shitty. Like we're, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I'm inviting you to a party. You can invite somebody down there. Like, I mean, somehow you really feel... I know, right? I mean, well, but but I mean, I also feel like you guys matured into it where it was like, oh, yeah. okay. Because like, I don't blame him for being like, you're right. There was like a specialness there that you're like, no, you're different. You're set apart from other people. So it almost feels like the rules don't apply. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think at that point, I was just kind of like, I wanted to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I knew that if I opened the door, that's it. The first test of how open that door is whether he shows up to the holiday party that she's invited him to. There was that huge possibility in my stomach that was like, oh my God, what if he shows up? Like, now I have to actually dress up and wear makeup. Like, you know what I mean? Kind of thing. So this is like a span of like, what, four years since we started like our friendship and our breakups, I guess, our, our virtual breakups. And I was choosing outfits. I was like, let's go with black. Black is always elegant. And I remember I wore my high knee boots they were comfortable, though, because I knew I was going to dance. At the party, Paola doesn't see him at first. She thinks, maybe he didn't come. But then, there he is. And by the end of the night, they find each other. I remember, you know, dancing with him for the first time. Like, that was, like, super nice. Because he's really tall. Like, I'm short. I'm 5'2". I'm so imagine this man is, like, 6 feet. I'm 5'2". I'm wearing heels, kind of. So it brings me up a little bit. But, you know, I'm like right next to his chest. So we're here dancing and dancing salsa. And we just had a good time. And, and I remember I had told him, I was like, oh, you know, like, it's already like 4 a.m. Like, you know, I got to go home. Like, he's like, do you, do you want me to take you home? 
And I was like, yeah, you can take me home, but don't try anything. He took me home. Super gentleman-like. And the whole way through we were talking, it was kind of like he was, I guess he wanted to confirm what was it that you reached out to me again? Like, what made you reach out to me again? You know, how did this relationship even stop? And I explained to him, look, you were with someone. I, you know, I didn't want to get into a messy thing. And we cleared up everything basically all the way home to my house. And mind you, I have a couple of whiskeys in my system, so I don't even remember, recall the whole conversation. He texts her throughout the next day and pretty quickly invites her on a real first date. She knows he'll take her somewhere nice, but he won't say where. And I remember getting to this place. I had never been here. It's called the Standard Hotel. And as you go through the outside doors, it's like a forest. And so you see all these trees like merging in at the top and you keep walking through and then you see these dim lights in between and you have the wind is perfect. The ocean is beautiful. It's this night scene. And it was just the most romantic thing I've ever seen. It's not like we've never spoken before, you know? I guess it was just the first time we really had a, a first date, you know? You know, we were just talking some more and talking about, I guess, possibilities and, you know, different things in life and having these all deep conversations that you, you, you know, that on a first date you don't really have, you know what I mean? And it just felt like we put our relationship on pause and we just pressed play. The very next day, he comes over for her mother's birthday. It's her mother's idea to invite him. Kind of a big deal. For someone like Paola, bonding with mom is so important. Everything starts to escalate. And yet the momentum and pace feels weirdly natural. We're hanging out literally every single day after that first date. Every single day, we have somewhere to go. We're having some breakfast. We're having lunch. We are picking up a shake. By, like, one of those morning breakfast dates we have, he's telling me, he's like, I don't know if this is a joke for you or not, but it's not for me. And so I, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. You're like, oh, shut the front door. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you know what? Yeah. I was like, yeah. It wasn't something I doubted. And I think I'm very intuitive. So I feel like if I knew something was going to go wrong or if it wasn't going to go right, or if he was not the one, I'd be like, I know you feel some type of way, but, you know, but I didn't feel that way. I was just kind of like, yeah. It was such an easy yes. This is literally just days after their first date, though technically more than four years after they'd met for the first time. The official engagement comes in early January 2020. By the 4th, I'm already telling my, like, he's already telling my mom, and I'm already telling my mom. Is your mom, okay, so we talked about the expression of, like, the bones, right? Your mom clearly felt differently about this person. So at the beginning... She was kind of like, oh, do you really want to go out with someone, you know, at work again? Do you really want to get involved in this kind of relationship? He's older. By the first date, she's telling me, you know what? I might just be, like, stopping you forever. Quizás te estoy evitando que tuviera una relación que puede durar una vida. Like, you know, I'm probably stopping you from 
having this relationship that could possibly last, you know, last a lifetime. And she knows that her her word and her her feeling or her intuitive intuition also means the world to me. So if I feel like if she thinks it's wrong, I usually I'm like, oh, I'll think about it. But it's probably like she's probably right. By January 5th, they have a venue. Then five days later, on January 10th, we are sitting in my mom's living room. We're just talking and he's asking me like kind of like, you know, what rings, uh, what kind of ring I would want. I'm telling him, you know, I want the princess cut and the bling bling, but not too much because I have small hands, et cetera, et cetera. I'm very, I'm very weird. But, you know, I just told him what I like. I'm very classy. I'm very vintage, so, you know. And my mom is like, why are you guys wasting time? Like, just go to the mall. The ring she falls for needs to be resized. So they have to bring it back in and she doesn't have it for a bit. She says to him, you pick it up when it's done and give it to me whenever, however. A month later, they have dinner plans with Paola's sister and her husband at a fancy restaurant. And we're on our way to my sister's house. My sister has a newborn. So you would think that you would hear either the baby crying or you would see like the living room a little bit dirty or like diapers hanging around somewhere or wipes, you know, on a TV screen. You would see this kind of scene usually when someone has a newborn. I heard Brandon, my nephew, kind of crying, like if he was outside. So as we're going through the house, my sister's like, oh, just come to the back. Like we're in the back. I'm like, we're in the back. Okay. When I open the door, it's his family and my family. They have this tent, the light bulbs, they have flowers. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful arrangement that they all made. We walk in, I'm in shock, I'm red, I'm like laughing. And I don't know if to cry or to not cry because I spent so much time on this makeup. And by the time I'm walking through, he he proposes in front of everybody. And so those are the pictures. He had a a professional uh, photographer there as well. This engagement party is especially meaningful. Because March 2020 is just around the corner. Everything starts to shut down, making a big wedding celebration impossible. Paula is still living with her mom at this point, in a house they'd bought together. Paula changes jobs. There's so much change, but everyone is also stuck where they are. As the pandemic continues, she and her fiancé realize it could be a long time like this. So they make a move. First, Paola joins him in his house, where he lives with his mom. But then they decide, let's just do this. They move into their own place while continuing to help their families. This is a new beginning that Paola had not anticipated. That finding a romantic partner for life would change that primary partnership she had with her mom. Moving in with him is the first moment she feels what a big shift this will be. My mom and I, we, we did everything together. I mean, we always lived together, obviously. And towards the last few years, it was just me and her. My sister had her husband. And so we would travel together. We would have dinners together. We would go have margaritas for happy hour on a Friday after work. And um, now it was like someone else was in the picture, you know? Uh, now I have to split my time. have to see when I can be with my mom and still make her happy while also being with my fiance. And that was very, very difficult because I was splitting myself in half. 
and I wasn't really focusing on my my happiness. I was more concerned about everybody else's. It was definitely a learning process. I think I learned how to just, you know, make them both a priority without having to split myself or without having to sacrifice one one for the other. You know what I mean? Paola and her fiancé wind up getting married, just the two of them, in November 2020. And after a whirlwind year, it seems like they can finally settle into this new relationship. Paola can relax and find her groove in this new life. Right before we got together, I spoke to God and I told him, listen, I don't want to waste time. I don't want to date anymore. I'm over it. I don't want nothing. I don't want free food. I don't want any of it. Just give me the real thing, the real deal, please. And then we can just move forward. So I was ready for it. When we first spoke, Paula said to me, I'm a wife now. And I thought, good for her that she'll finally have the space and time to figure out what that means. When we talked again in February, I asked her how it was going. What I'm most excited about, and I'm only a few weeks, but I'm pregnant. (gasps) Oh my God! Oh my God! (laughs) That's not what I thought you were going to say. Like, I'm looking forward to, like, eating indoors. That's not what... (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you. I, um, we were both definitely shocked. We did not plan it. But I guess Netflix and chill and whatnot, and, um... (laughs) (laughs) here comes the baby so i'm due in september wow i haven't really told everybody because you know it's still the early weeks but i took five pregnancy tests and it confirmed five five wow i didn't believe the first two (laughs) um and it definitely has brought my mom and me even closer now being in this new phase, I'm definitely going to need her input, her advice, her, you know, the little tricks in the book that don't exist in the book, but that she can provide to me, you know? I've always wanted to be a mom, so didn't expect it now, and I expected it maybe in three years, yeah. But God, you tell them your, your plans, and he laughs in your face. A romantic first date, an engagement, families coming together, a new home, a baby— So many beginnings in a short span of time. But to Paola, it all feels pretty natural. Before we made a year, we've gone through a lifetime together. Like, so a lifetime of of milestones together. It's funny because I I feel like that just yet confirms, like, I found my soulmate. You know what I mean? And I've been fortunate enough to have found my soulmate. The fact that we've gone through so many moments and so many magical moments in such little time, like, only those we're, we're, I guess you would never be given anything you couldn't handle, and that wasn't meant to be. So I, I feel like it's just perfect for us. You know what I mean? Like all this time was like, all this time passed by, and it was like, okay, let's put it all together in a hamburger. I asked Paola how she's always so sure about her decisions and just jumping into things, how she trusts her intuition. I think that that people should just know that, you know, your time will come when it's supposed to come. And the the right things and right people come along when they're supposed to come along. And if you just spend your life just waiting and waiting and waiting and saying, oh my God, it's never coming through. The moment you stop waiting, the unexpected happens. And it's those surprises that really make you happy. You know, it really brings so much joy to your heart. And 
I've been given so many surprises during this last year and I I don't doubt that whatever comes in the upcoming years for anybody, even for myself, will be even better. So I definitely think hope is the perfect word. Love Letters is a production of the Boston Globe and PRX. Today's episode was produced by Scott Hellman. Ned Porter does our audio mixing, sound design, and mastering. Devin Smith and Jenna Serbo do our audience engagement. Love Letters illustrations by Ashanti Davis. Check them out on the Love Letters Instagram. Special thanks to Brian McGorry and Linda Henry. Our music is from APM. And if you like the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We're also an advice column. If you have a love question of your own, email loveletters at boston.com. We're online at loveletters.show. We went to this place. It's it's like a um, it's Coral Gables. Is there's a Cheesecake Factory there? Probably. Any city I go to, I go to the Cheesecake Factory. I mean, I eat locally too, but I like to know where the Cheesecake Factory is in any city, just in case of an emergency. I'm Meredith Goldstein. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.